Hello, can you guys hear me? You know, in the car park out here, regularly someone will steal the park that I most like to park in. But at church, no one ever takes my seat. Like, it's like three rows back. Everyone's as far back as they can be. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. I've got the pleasure this morning of continuing our series on faith. Um, faith something that in my private life I probably dug into trying to understand more deeply for my whole Christian life. And I've been a Christian for about 22 years. Um, it's been a journey of me digging into Scripture, trying to understand Christ and the miracles that He did and the life that He lived, and personally trying to dig into it in my own life to see some of the things that the disciples saw in the New Testament happen in my own life. So I want to share some of the key Scriptures that I've read that really transformed my life in terms of faith, my understanding of faith and how faith operates in my life now. Just want to pray before I start. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your living word this morning, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, Father. Thank you for the release of it this morning, Lord. Father God, a word, Lord Jesus, that would challenge us, Lord God, a word that would um, yeah, cut between soul and spirit this morning, Lord Jesus. Father God, a word that would expose hearts, Lord and a word, Lord God, that would bring about, Lord Jesus, your will in people's lives, Lord. I just ask for you to breathe upon my words this morning, Lord God, that what you want to say would come out, Lord God. And Father God, everything else can be left behind, Lord Jesus. I just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I believe this morning's message is a word in season for some key people that have come in this morning, whether this is your church or not. just had a feeling when Alison asked me to preach the next morning I got up early, I baked donuts in the, in the cafe next door, and about 3 a.m. I just sort of started praying, Lord, have you got anything for the message? And really quickly the scriptures started coming and dropping in, I thought, and I felt as though someone's going to come in this morning. This message is for you and for you today. Um, so listen carefully, peeps. Jesus lived a life where he wanted to demonstrate what it looked like to walk with the Father as a son. And I know I've shared this with you guys before, but it's important for us to understand Jesus came to show us the Father. When Jesus came to earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. In other words, the acts that he did and the stories that he shared were so we could understand what his Father was like. In our journey of faith, Jesus shares this lifestyle so that we can start to lean in to an understanding of who our Father is. The foundation of our faith comes from understanding what God's like. We don't understand what God's like. We can't lean in to faith for anything, for any understanding. It's like me as a father. If one of my kids trips over and busts her knee and it's bleeding everywhere, everyone in this church knows what I'm about to do by faith. I'm about to run up, grab that kid, and I'm going to bandage that wound because you know me and you know I'm a father and that's my child. Jesus came to demonstrate over and over and over again what his father was like so that we could lean into him in faith to receive what it was we needed from God. We needed to know and understand him fully. There's a few significant events that happened through the New Testament or through the Gospels. 
And I'll read these stories and I want to tie in what Jesus is trying to show us through these stories about his father and about an understanding of faith. All three of these stories we've heard over and over again, but I want to try and dig a little bit deeper this morning to get some more understanding out of them. First one I want to read is in Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 29. It says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed up a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought him many people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Just want to pause there for a second. The reputation of Jesus and what he was like, what the Father was like, preceded Jesus coming to this hill in the Sea of Galilee. So there's already rumors about this man that's come to earth and the different things that he is doing. So when he positions himself on top of this hill, the crowds brought everything you can possibly imagine to him. Totally crippled people, people that have been blind since birth, deaf people, all these things. And the scripture says, Jesus didn't pick and choose. It says he healed them all. In other words, he's pointing to the character and his nature and his father's nature. That when they brought the people, he didn't go, you, yes, you, know, You, yes, you, know." He healed them all so that their faith in him could start to rise. In other words, what's he like? We brought all of them and they all got healed. Not some, because then if it was some, we couldn't put our faith in God. Because then he's a respecter of persons. But he's not. The scripture says he is not a respecter of persons. So when they brought the sick, he healed 100% of them. In other words, he said, you can lean into me. I'll heal 100% in front of you. You watch it and I'll do it. Their faith began to rise. This is the first thing. This is huge. These aren't stories. These are real accounts of what happened in real life. So you imagine if there's an oval and thousands and thousands of people from Palmerston to Darwin are bringing their sick, sick and a man's laying hands on them. We know them. We, we see sick people regularly in the street that are, you know, cripple or other things. And suddenly you see them well. You can imagine what's happening inside the people as this is going on. Then Jesus called to his disciples. Now, I love this next part of the scripture. This is where I see the true heart of the Father coming in. That He's healed all of them. These people have been following him for three days. Then Jesus says, called the disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. He said, they have been with me for three days and they've had nothing to eat. They have no food left. I don't want to send them away hungry or they'll faint along the way. Again, he's demonstrating the heart of the Father. They've come crippled and he's healed them. Then he's looking for the next need in their life that he can meet. They've been with me for three days. All the food has run out. What's the next thing? They're hungry. So Jesus says to them, um, the disciples reply in their faith. Where would we get enough food in wilderness with such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, how many, bread do you, how many loaves of bread do you have? We have seven loaves and a few small fish. Then he took the seven loaves of fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, then gave them to the disciples to distribute the food amongst the crowd. They ate as much as they wanted. Again, this is the heart of the Father. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. In other words, when you come to the Father for a need that you have, it is met beyond any expectation. In other words, you're not coming and God's going, oh, 
well, we can cut the, the loaves into tiny pieces and maybe it'll be enough with our human thinking. We've come to our heavenly father with a need and he's like, kid, you're hungry. Here's the food. There's too much of it. They collected basket loads of it afterwards. In other words, his ability to meet the need is far in excess of our need in our life. And as we're sitting here this morning, I know there's some of you that have come in with significant need in your life, whether it's healing or it's finances or something else. And so this word is for you. So that's the first thing. So Jesus heals the sick. He feeds all of the people that come to him hungry. Then after this, Evening comes, this is, I'm going to read from Mark. Same account, but it's a slightly different version. I like this, this account better. Mark 5.35. As evening came, same day. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowd that had just eaten um, behind them. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking against the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? They are in absolute dire straits. Like this storm must have been heavy duty. It's filling with water and they think they're on the brink of death. Okay, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. This ridiculous story, right? Jesus gets, he's sleeping in the back of the boat and then suddenly he just goes, Enough! And then it's instantly silent. You can imagine with a feeling for the disciples like, wow, this is next level. Like we've just seen him heal all these sick people. You know, he's fed, fed people beyond anything they can possibly imagine. Now human nature obeys this guy. Like just, it would be absolutely phenomenal. But then Jesus turns around to them and says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, he goes, you've been walking with me and I've deliberately shown you my nature and the sheer power of what it is that I walk in. In other words, you were the ones handing out this food that kept multiplying. You're the ones that saw every sickness and every disease get healed in a moment of time. Like you've seen the kind of power that I operate in with my relationship with my father. And you can imagine that he's sitting in the back of the boat going, guys, you know that you can do something here. Like you before the father, you can begin to do something. So there's a little bit of frustration in that. All right. Now I'll read on. So he's fed the 4,000. He's gone in the boat. This storm has happened, right? Then Jesus, in all of his wisdom, creates the exact same scenario again. (laughs) Okay? Because he really wants them to get this, right? And so he goes, you've seen it? I've 5,000. Now we've gone in a boat and it's been a terrible storm. And he goes, and I just said silence. And the thing calmed right down. So he creates the exact same scenario. Still in the teaching mode. Guys, we're going to come up against the same thing. All right, so in Matthew 14, 22, again, you know this story. Jesus, so Jesus, so he creates, it, he creates this scenario. He feeds a further 5,000 people in exactly the same way he did at the Sea of Galilee. So 4,000, the same scenario, people bring their sick, he heals them. Then this time he feeds 5,000, more than he did the last time. And it says immediately after this, this is what I want to get into, immediately after this, This is when God's sneaky, and he creates the exact same scenario. But this time, he takes himself out of the equation. So immediately after this feeding, Jesus insists, disciples, you've got to go out on this this sea in the boat. Off you go. I won't be with you this time. 
So he says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back in the boat, cross over to the other side of the lake again. While he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up the hills by himself to pray. Night fell and he was alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, in a strong, a strong wind had risen up, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. Some passages, uh, some versions of this say that, um, and he was about to pass them by. In other words, he wasn't really even there because they were in trouble, he just wanted to see what they were up to. So he's set, you can imagine, he set this scenario, they're out on the water and he's like, you know, like, I've shown you all these things, you've seen, your faith has been built, surely you guys, I'm going to watch one of you stand up and go, silence, you know, just like the kids follow their parents, you know, and suddenly the winds and the waves are going to die down. So he's coming across and it was only that Peter caught him in the corner of his eye. So he's like, hang on a minute, there's a ghost over there. They didn't even think it was Jesus. So he's pointing out and he goes, oh, and then Jesus goes, no, settle down. It's not a ghost. It's me walking on the water as I do. You know, so he walks up and we know the story. Peter, Peter says, oh, if it's you, Lord, call out and I'll come and meet you on the water. And so Jesus says, yeah, yeah, it, it is me. You can. And he walks on the water for a bit and then he's terrified and he falls, falls in the water. Okay. So down in verse 30, it says, uh, Peter said, but when he saw the strong wind of the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus says. In other words, he, Jesus, in all of his wisdom, is like, oh, man, guys. Like, surely we would be different, right? If we'd seen cripples healed right in front of us and thousands of people fed and Jesus calms a storm, surely we'd be in a position where we'd be like, no, we get it. Storm, silence. Anyway, they didn't get it. And Jesus had to say, why do you doubt me? Then he climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. Then the disciples said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Some passages in, uh, after verse 33, they talk about the fact that um, Jesus says, basically, didn't you see all that I did? You saw the 4,000, you saw the 5,000, you saw the storm. Okay, what are, the reason I'm, I'm painting out these pictures for you guys is that God, the, the lifestyle that Jesus lived was to build a case for our faith. So in other words, Jesus is building a rock-solid foundation of, of his character. When we approach God in prayer, we can't be like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The Bible says, if you come to me double-minded or misunderstanding of who I am, don't expect to receive anything. It's not that he can't give it to you, you just won't get it. The song that we were singing this morning about Jesus leading us, basically our shepherd leading us through, um, leading us through the valley, it also talks about in that passage in Psalms that God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, and this is what I wanted to get to this morning, some of you have come in this morning and there is a significant storm in your life. In other words, the doctors have given you a report that is really not good, um, a death certificate even. Um, you have financial issues that are weighing you down all of the time. You have issues in your family that need to be addressed. And God wants to say, I get it. In the presence of your enemy, I have prepared a table with everything you need on it in this season. The only way we can reach in 
to an unseen realm and take from the table what is prepared for us in that place is by faith. In other words, it is there. Your healing is in the place. The finances you need are on the table. Everything you need is on the table that God has prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, when the storm is raging, you can reach beyond the storm into a realm that you don't understand and take from the table exactly what it is you need for the season and it will come into reality. That's what the Bible says. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a talk, but is living in God's power. 1 Corinthians 4.12 Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is evidence of things we cannot see. In other words, faith is reaching and pulling into this realm something that didn't exist before and then it comes into reality. Jesus did it when he prayed for the sick. The lame came and he reached into the table and he pulled out a new body for the person. He reached in and pulled silence out of the place of silence and peace, the kingdom of heaven, and he laid it out in the middle of a storm. God has on that table things that you need. We know the story of the lady with the issue of blood. She walked around for 12 years bleeding constantly. She went to physicians and other people her entire life to try and fix the problem that she had inside. But then came these stories about this man that was walking around healing people. And her faith, the foundation of her faith started to rise, this understanding of who this God was. So she's listening. She's like, I've heard of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They say he heals them all. In other words, everyone that comes gets healed by this man. Okay, there was one particular day and, and she's moving her way through the crowd. Her faith is peaking. In other words, she's like, I'm reaching through and I want to take from the table my solution to the problem that I have in my body. And it says in that scripture, it says that she grabbed the hem of his garment. Jesus felt virtue vacuumed out of him in that moment. In other words, her faith was right up here. I've understand who you are. I understand what you do. She grabbed onto his garment and he literally felt this pull from the heavenly realm into earthly realm. And she was healed in a moment. In other words, she understood there is a table On the other side of what I see, and on that table is everything that I need for my current situation. She reached in, and then Jesus stopped. You can imagine this crowd everywhere, all this noise. Then she reaches, touches, and then there's silence. And Jesus goes, stop. Who just touched me? In other words, someone just reached into heaven and pulled out of it healing for themselves. And I felt all of it. It would have been like lightning. You could imagine it in Christ. He's walking around suddenly, boom, there's this pull. And she got it. And then he turned around. And I can imagine as a father to a child, he's like, you got it. Your faith. Like your faith. You just took it out of me and I felt it. Now you've got it. You know what I mean? Like a father. He's, he's like, you get it. This final understanding of what it's like. You know, and he's, he's, cause he's building his story after story, you know, act after act. Jesus is building who he is by faith, hoping that one day someone will get it to the point where they just go, I've got it, mine. And they come into that place. We're talking about the spirit of adoption. When you understand that you're a child of God and you have come into relationship with him, you don't stand outside the house. You walk in and you take from the house what the Father has for you if you're in need. 
and that's what he wants us to be like. Some of you have come in this morning, you have great need, great need. I don't know what the diagnosis is on your life. I don't know what your situation is. But I know some of you have come in this morning with significant need. When you don't understand that you're a son or a daughter, you don't even know if you're meant to be in the presence of God. But because of what Jesus did, he ripped open the curtain that leads right into his presence. And he said, come boldly into my throne room of grace. In other words, come boldly into my house. So often as Christians, we stand on the outside of our Father's house and of the kingdom. And inside is this table with everything we need inside. And we stand at the door wondering if, should we even, oh, should we even be here? Do I have a right to knock or even to ask? And our Father's inside going, everything you need is here. As kids, we don't, who knocks on the door of their house when they come home? Nobody does that. This is exactly what you do. Click, open. You walk in to his presence of grace. You open up the fridge and you look at what food is inside there. You look at the table and, you, and you, who's asking? My kids never do. They always bust straight in and they open and they stand in the fridge and then just take, you know, and the cupboard take and leave it all out on the bench and I have to clean it up afterwards. But there's this taking always because they're my kids and they understand the relationship that, that, that they have with me. And Jesus came to earth to build a case for his father. So he said, if you see me, you see him. Jesus also uses stories like, let me see if I can find it. Somewhere in here. Luke eleven eleven. It says, you fathers, if your child asks for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him? In other words, give the good things that you've come for Him for. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. I've read the Old Testament. I've seen God. I know what He's like. Sometimes there were situations where it almost seemed like He put things on people. Mm-mm. In the Old Testament, you're seeing the character of exactly the same God. The difference is that in the Old Testament, there was no Christ. There was no person to take away the sins of the world. When Adam and Eve fell, sin and everything with sin entered the world. It says sin leading to death entered the world. And you saw sickness, you saw decay, you saw all this kind of debauchery coming in to mankind. And when God in Deuteronomy talked about the law and he talked about an understanding of what it is to walk with God, and this is what life will be like, and he mapped it out beautifully. He says, life will be like blessing upon blessing, health upon health. If you follow in my footsteps, this is the life you will get. If you walk without me, I permit you to understand what it's like to live in sin. In other words, apart from me, your life will be, and he lists, sickness, disease, all these things will be a lot... that will be what you're accustomed to. That will be what the life is. In the New Testament, different dispensation of time. Jesus came because he knew he was preparing a new way. We have access to things we never did before because of what Jesus did. In the Old Testament, they had to go through all these rituals just to get to the Father's door. 
So they would sacrifice things and clean themselves a certain way and pray a certain way. Finally get to the door and ask one request, that thing on the table, can we please have it? And then sort of walk away. This new dispensation of time has totally changed that kind of relationship. So now because of Jesus, we've been made completely holy. It says without spot or wrinkle. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the blood of Jesus. So now none of this sacrificing, none of these other things, by faith in Christ... We open the door. We walk in and we begin to receive what it is that Christ has for us. Does that make sense? So we don't go over time. I'm under time. That's fantastic. Jesus was constantly building the case so that we would have something to stand on for our situations in our life right now. For those of you that I talked about before, that I said you've walked in this morning and you have significant need. This message, hopefully, as I begin to share it, is starting to build the kind of faith that I'm talking about. The table prepared in the presence of your enemy is in, a, in the middle of the storm. As Matt preached the other week, the storms will always come. But what Jesus was trying to do in the life that he lived is show you that we have authority inside of the storm. That the provision for our needs is inside the storm. The storms will always come. But Jesus showed us the way in which we can deal with the storm. So often as Christians, our lack of understanding of who Jesus is or the nature of the Father lets us endure storms over and over again. The fullness of them, the boat filling with water, the soreness, the the pain in our own body, the finances not coming in, everything, we endure it as though we're supposed to do that because it's the will of God or maybe this is God's will. When Jesus talks, uh, when Jesus explains to us the way we should pray, he says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, as clear as anything, he said, This is the way we should pray. Thy will be done on earth here in this place as it is in the realm of the unseen, where I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, when you lean into God and you say, Thy will be done to the person, you're saying, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Whatever the situation they're facing, I'm taking from that realm, from the heavenly realm, and I'm placing it into this earthly realm. That's what you're saying. So your understanding of the Father and what He's like takes those things and places it in your life so you can receive them, if that makes sense. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to cut it a bit short, but that's okay. We're in time with the Holy Spirit. For those of you this morning that have come through those doors and the weight of whatever you have on your life was already there long before you walked in here. And you've heard the words this morning and you've gone, that's me. And I need to reach. I need to touch the hem of his garment. I need to reach onto that table and I need to receive for my life that which I've been looking for. Someone wants to come and play some music, that'd be awesome. I want to invite you guys to the front. And if there's family members that you know of that are in desperate need for something as well, you can stand in for them too and reach for them for their greatest need, whether it's healing, whether it's finances. And the third group of people I'd like to come forward is those of you that have never met this Father. That I'm talking about a loving God that loves you and wants to transform your life, but you have never met Him before. I want to invite you to come forward and maybe those that have never met Christ before, Just come over into this corner here. That would be amazing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to open in prayer and just invite whoever feels it to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. 
Mm. Father God, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for your living word, Lord God, that never returns void. I thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the way you came and you demonstrated your heart to us, Lord Jesus. Father, I ask, Lord God, that faith would have been built this morning, Lord Jesus. And those that have walked in, Lord God, with heavy burdens, Father God, or, or are in the midst of a storm, Father God, would come forward, Lord God, and would be able to receive from you exactly what it is that they need, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's going to be a faith step. I'm going to head down here as well. Whoever comes forward, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe God for you as well. Even if you are new here and you've never been here before, move to the front if you feel as though that's you and that's the need. Thank you, Jesus.